Sons of the Mavericks. Pre-game at 4.30 this afternoon on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. Hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke on a Thursday. The Thursday coming out of the All-Star break. Here we go, Wolf. We're talking about the calm before the storm the last couple of days. Spring training started today, or it's starting. Padres Dodgers from uh, from Peoria. Padres. D-backs get started tomorrow. Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound against the Colorado Rockies. Take that, Colorado. <laughs> Do you think there's a reason that they purposely didn't send you and I out there to any of the Rockies games so you didn't heckle the Rockies? No, okay. of course not, right. Luke. Uh, but it is a coincidence. And, uh, and now you've got the NBA season starting back up tonight. The Suns facing a Dallas team that is a little bit of a new look. Mavericks with Daniel Gafford and P.J. Washington. And they kind of went... They pushed some of their chips to the uh, the middle of the table during the uh, the trade deadline. But the Suns have Royce O'Neal, and now they also have Thaddeus Young, who was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday. You know, I, I told Frank this, and I told James this, like, you know, I'm a, a whatever-it-takes type guy. So, you know, whatever it takes. You know, if, it, if it's nights where I'm not playing, hey, so be it. I'll figure out other ways to, you know, stay engaged with the game and help guys, uh, young guys on the bench and stuff stay engaged in the game. Um, you know, if, uh, if it's nice where I'm playing, I'm going to give you my all 100% and I'm going to do whatever it takes to help us get that win. So, you know, I'm, I'm a whatever it takes type guy. You know, um, you know, I've, you know, seen a lot of basketball, played a lot of basketball. You know, it's probably two guys, only two guys on the roster <laughs> that's played over a thousand basketball games and that's probably me and KD. So, you know, like I said, I've seen a lot, you know, and I understand, you know, uh, what the role is and, and what's needed at certain points and times. And, you know, um, you know, they're, they're giving me, you know, free will to be able to speak to guys and talk to guys and coach guys up, but also, uh, when I'm in the game to be able to, you know, uh, tell them and give them my thoughts on what I see. We. Have a winner. <laughs> Do we not? I mean, honestly, just listening to Thad Young talk, ladies and gentlemen, it filled me with a hope and a certain expectation. Once again, I'm not saying that he's going to come in now. All of a sudden, the Phoenix Suns are going to win a championship because Thaddeus Young nice. is a Phoenix Sun. Okay, it would be nice, but I'm not saying it won't happen either. You listen to him right now, and you listen to some of the things that James Jones said about him as well. You're talking about a very, very well-respected guy inside that locker room, a guy that is extremely intelligent, a guy that has an intensity level that is uncommon. That's why he's here. I, I honestly believe it. A smart guy who's been around that can model the culture for everybody else, but a guy that is a tough guy. At his core. It feels like, I said this when they got him, the day they signed him, it's not quite as extreme as Eric Gordon because it felt like the Suns had been trying to get Eric Gordon since the night he was drafted. But it feels like Thaddeus Young has been linked to the Suns for like three, four, five, I don't know, ten years. (laughs) Uh, He talked about that uh, yesterday as well. There was uh, a a long time ago uh, with the Sixers, um, I was close to... uh, coming to being traded to Phoenix, uh, between Phoenix and Houston, uh, those trades fell through at the deadline. And then, um, um, most recently was with, uh, was with the San Antonio Spurs right before I went, um, you know, I was traded to Toronto. Um, they were talking to San Antonio to try to get a trade going for uh, Dario Sarge. Uh, I want to say like Langston Galloway and, and maybe one other player or something like that. Sticks, I think, uh, sticks from, uh, yeah, in Indiana. Yeah. 
Uh, how about uh, how about Thaddeus Young dropping a Langston Galloway reference and taking us all back a few <laughs> years? Yeah, man. You know, honestly, this I was talking about it earlier, but this is something that I think the Phoenix Suns knew they had to do. It was something they had to address on the roster. They went out and they got Royce O'Neal, David Roddy as well, and Thaddeus Young. They brought these guys in. Why? They all have something in common. And that is toughness and physicality. They knew exactly what they needed. Isn't that right, James Jones? Well, three things that the Suns have been trying to do for at least a decade were get Thaddeus Young, get Eric Gordon, and win a championship. And so far, they've done the first two. So logically, just go ahead and chalk the the third thing. Just just get that right off the list, right? That's that's the step. Now, you've, you've realized two things you've been trying to do forever. You've got Eric Gordon. You've got Thaddeus Young. He has played Wolf in twice as many NBA games as Devin Booker. <laughs> now, I know Devin Booker's still you know, he's still young, but it feels like Booker's been in the league for about 15 years. Uh, either way, Devin Booker's played a lot of basketball games, and Thaddeus Young has played twice as many. And, you know, To his point, it's really just him and KD that have that level of experience on the roster. I have to check on and Eric Gordon, too. But uh, Young also talked about being able to play alongside KD now. Uh, it's gonna be great. Um, you know, we're very familiar with each other just from like, you know, our high school class. We were McDonald's All Americans together, Hoop Summit game together. We uh we also were uh, Jordan game MVPs together. So uh we're very familiar with each other. We've had a, a long withstanding relationship, you know, a friendship that has went, you know, twenty or so years. So, you know, for us, you know, I, I think it's it's always gonna be great. You know, it's always great when you can get guys who are familiar and comfortable with each other, but um, you know, I've you know known EG for a while. I've known Bill for a while. You know, so you know just knowing these guys, knowing Brad for a while, and then we all have AAU programs as well. So we see each other in the summer. You know, when we're with our AAU programs and moving around with those guys. So you know, just being you know in the mix with those guys for for previous years, and you know now we get a chance to play play with each other on the same team is huge. You know, I don't know if we've gotten confirmation. I, Thaddeus Young, in terms of playing tonight, have you heard anything about that? And the odds of him actually playing tonight, have you heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything definitive that he's playing tonight. No. Okay, for me, I, I look at this right now and I think to myself, I know that he hasn't been here um, but a few days, literally. <laughs> Yet at the same time, if there's one guy that I think could go, it'd be Thaddeus Young. I mean, this guy has played how many games? We already talked about it. 1,100? Yeah, he's yeah. been around forever. He's extremely intelligent. This is a guy that I think you talk about bringing him in to be tough and physical. I, I, I would expect to see him tonight, if at all possible. Eric Gordon, just as a reference point, okay? Eric Gordon was drafted in 2008. Thaddeus Young has played 297 more games than him. In the NBA. Thaddeus Young has just been in the NBA and plugging along, and he doesn't have a ring. And so it goes back to his first answer he gave with them, whatever it takes. He'll be the whatever it takes guy. You need me to play 20 minutes tonight and throw my weight around and maybe... Maybe, who knows, maybe I go out there and, and eat up four fouls for us so somebody else doesn't have to. Exactly. Or, or maybe I don't play it all tonight, and then I'm a coach on the bench. You, You need a guy like that. Um, sometimes maybe you need more than one guy like that, but the Suns have that in him now. Um, I, I don't think he's just saying stuff. You know, I don't think he's just trying to say he's already here. Why would he, 
I guess he could have come on and been like, just thank you for getting me out of Toronto. We haven't been in the playoffs. (laughs) Like, I don't know where my season was going. Uh, I I think that's going to be the role he really does fulfill, and it sounds like embrace, too. Yeah, and we were talking about, you know, look, the Phoenix Suns are getting ready to play the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks identified what their issue was at the deadline as well, and they did the exact same thing. They went out and they got Daniel Gafford and they got P.J. Washington. These two guys are, are physical players. They're big guys. They're physical players. Their intensity level is there. I think we're going to see them tonight. This could be, seriously, this is shaping up to be a very, very interesting Suns game. We come back, back to football. We talked about Monty Austin Fort and how he's approaching free agency. All right, how's he approaching the draft? We're going to hear what he had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL Draft. News on number four. Draft coverage, live, local, late-breaking. All right, Monty Austin Fort was on Newsmakers this morning with uh, Bickley and Murata. And uh, this is great because I haven't heard all these answers, so I get to just react to them. Have you heard all these, Wolf? No? Okay, good. This is turn my mic on. No, you you can just you can tell me and I can relay your answers if you want. That'd be great. Uh, so here, so Monty Austin Ford. I mean, everybody wants to ask him about the uh, the number four pick, right? Let's start with uh, just his comments on how important the draft is to the Cardinals building what they want to build. Ultimately, the the draft has got to be where we build and where this team forms the foundation of what we're going to be moving forward. It's it's the the place where we get the most swings at it and we we get to pick and choose the players that we want. I applaud. Why? And I think a lot of Cardinals fans are probably applauding right now. Don't applaud if you're driving unless you're sitting on the 202. Yes. Um that just didn't feel like it was always the Cardinals' philosophy in recent years. Maybe it was, but it didn't feel like it was. And I hear what you're saying. You said this earlier in the show. That's not that's not how it's not the only way to build a team in 2024. Yeah. But I it's my opinion. I feel like that's the way the Cardinals need to be building their team. And apparently Monty Austinfort feels the same way. And if he's gonna draft as well as it looks like he did last year, I feel good about Monty Austinfort building his team that way. You know, it's really interesting. You go back to 2021 and you go back to the 2022 Super Bowl, that being the Rams, Super Bowl 56, I believe right now. They built that team largely through free agency. Yeah. It was free agency. And that's it was so interesting all the way back to 2021. That's when the pendulum was swinging all the way to the right. The new age is here and football's never going to be the same. Right down to the fact that we're gonna we're gonna buy a Super Bowl. We're gonna build through free agency, and we're gonna leverage the future, mortgage the future, and we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna win now. And that mantra was alive and well. Everything was changing back in 2021. <laughs> this is like two and a half years ago. Yeah, the problem <laughs> You're is talking like it's like 20 years ago. I'm just saying the problem is it's swung back to yeah. the middle right now, and that's not how you do it anymore. It's gone back to the more traditional approach. You you build it through the draft. Well, and, that's and, what you do, and you fill in with free agency. By the way, if you can do it the way the Rams did it and win a Super Bowl, totally worth it, right? I mean, absolutely. To me, though, that was the extreme example. 
because they were like, hey, one day we're going to add Bobby Wagner. The next day we're going to add Von Miller. Okay, now we're adding Matthew Stafford. Like that, you just don't see that a ton in football. And I would, I would, you know, have to acknowledge the Rams also already had Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. So they were kind of in a position where it's like, let's go for it right now. The Cardinals are not in that position. There's not one or two free agents you look at this year and you're like, hey, if they could, if money was not an object and they could bring in Chris Jones and T. Higgins, they're winning the Super Bowl, you know? Uh, the Rams, it felt like they were at least going to make a, a deep run that year, and so they went all in. But I, I, I like I like the mentality of Monty Austin Ford. I, I got to be honest, Wolf, there hasn't been much that Monty Austin Ford has said or done since he got here that I haven't liked. I really, I, yeah. I can't think. Now, I mean, it, it's a process. They still only won four games last year. Like, we got to. <laughs> right. But so far, I, I'm pretty on board with Monty Austin Ford. No, I'm. Mean, you know where I stand on that one as well. I think the Arizona Cardinals got something really, really special. I think that will become apparent as the seasons unfold in front of us right now. This was not some minor patch job for Monty Austin for when he came in here. He is revamping everything. And the way to do that is through the draft. And this is why I'm really encouraged based on what I saw from last year's draft. And how many young guys played last year? The Arizona Cardinals led the league in man games of rookies actually going out and playing games. To me, I'm, I'm very encouraged based on what we saw last year. And hopefully they'll be able to do it again. Six picks in the top 100. I also, now that we're out of it, I don't know that I would have said this during the season because I don't think I would have felt this way. But now I'm almost glad they didn't have this like sort of miraculous like seven and ten season or something or eight and nine that really got them nowhere, but maybe provided false hope where it would have turned into a patch job like you were saying it isn't right where it's like oh okay well I mean we're eight and nine maybe we just go out and you know get this one free agent and they needed to to bottom out and and completely rebuild this thing tear it down and rebuild it and now they've already done the the hard part. If you're a fan, right? Like you've, oh, yeah. you've gone through the two. They shouldn't be that bad record-wise next year. You've gone through that. So now you start to build it up. And look, I mean, the fourth overall pick, obviously Monty Austin for it was going to be asked about that. This is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, I think all three of those guys are very talented players. You know, and I think, um, you know, we're sitting there at four. Um, you know, obviously it's not that it, we don't like being at four, right? We don't mm-hmm. want to be at four again. And unfortunately, uh, we're at four this year, but that also provides opportunities, right? And so, you know, we're going to sit there and we're going to, whether it's a wide receiver, who those three guys that you mentioned are all three very talented players, there's no question. Um, you know, we're going to, we, we look at every position in the draft, and we're going to um, we're we're in the middle of that process right now, and we'll get more time to spend with those guys and and all the players at the combine next week. I'm really excited for that week. Um, but what we're gonna you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna evaluate the entirety of the draft, and we're gonna make the best decision when it comes to that pick. Whether that's you know I think we showed last year you know our propensity is to when that phone rings we're gonna listen, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna have an opportunity to sit there and and pick who we deem to be the the you know worthy of the fourth pick or you know we're gonna and if the phone rings and somebody's got an offer for us to move up to move back like those are all things that we're going to consider we might do anything (laughs) (laughs) i love it i mean you know this is of course we might do anything anything as a matter of fact we're going to do the exact 
the exact thing that our opponent doesn't want us to do. <laughs> We're going to do that. Okay, what is that? He, Don't worry about what that is. It's funny. That We're going to do it. He worked with Bill Belichick for so long, right? Because yeah. he went the opposite path to get where Bill Belichick ultimately gets to anyway. Bill Belichick, if you ask him that question, he would just be like, (laughs) Monty gave you a minute-long answer, but still didn't tell you anything. He told you everything. Speaking median. Yeah. That's what he was doing right there. He he answered the question and gave you nothing. And that's exactly the way that any general manager should proceed. That's the reason why I continue to say, why would anybody tell anybody? Why would a general manager tell anybody? Behind the scenes or not, what it is he's truly going to do. You don't think the Bears are going to tell us when they have their plan in place no, next week? No, I don't think so. Um, I have this odd feeling that Monty wants to like trade out of the spot. I, I think that's in his DNA. Yeah. I really do believe it. I mean, especially 15 years with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick trading out and trading down and collecting picks. Uh, I Could we see the same scenario as we saw last year? Where you moved down? What was it? Number they moved down to number twelve? Was it? Yeah, I think or, it was. Three. Or was it nine? No, I think it was I, three to twelve to six. Okay, three to twelve to six. Yeah, there I you think go. That's, that's what it was. nice, right there. Yeah. Three to twelve to six. Yeah. You can see it, right? <laughs> the relationship. <laughs> but uh, I think we could see the same thing in moving back up to get a, a receiver if Marvin Harrison Jr. Is not there at four. What if, That's just my guess. Could we could we do this? Because he said he's he'll, he'll if the phone rings he's going to answer it. If Marvin Harrison Jr. is there at four, can we just keep calling him for ten minutes and tying up his phone line so no other yeah. team can call and trade in? Yeah. You think that would be frowned upon? I think guys like that they have two phones. <sighs> I think they they have two a phone. Phones. They have a phone. Nobody has the number. It's to, the height of luxury, other right there. General managers, <laughs> stop and think about that, Luke. I'm being serious. Only 31 people I, have that number. I, I could be dead wrong on this, base owners, but I think general managers have two phones. There's one phone that is just used for general manager conversations. Other other general managers calling them, and you calling the other general managers, and then you've got your personal phone. That will be blowing up, asking him to just stay at four and keep Marvin Harrison. Jr. Well, he's going to ignore the yeah, personal phone true. at that point okay. in time, and he's just going to—he's going to be on the phone with general managers. I think if I had a phone with only general managers, I still wouldn't have. Boy, how cool would that be? I, I'd leave Jacksonville out of it. I'd what be if like, you had a phone just with your friends? <laughs> you know what I mean? You just had a, you had a phone, and only your friends were on that phone. If Dave Pash were here right now, he would say, "Wolf, I assumed you did because you never text me back on that phone." So I'm going to steal Dave. I'd have like three people in there. <laughs> you wouldn't, have and you a, still wouldn't text I back. Going to say you'd have three people, but you wouldn't have it turned on. Uh, all right, text us your thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. And we come back. The Suns are back in action tonight. So what is going to be vital for them over these final twenty seven games? We're going to ask the uh, voice of the Phoenix Suns, John Bloom, is joining us next. Wow, is that next? He's joining us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bloomer. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pull up jumper at the buzzer. He got it! Kevin Durant! How about 52 for Devin Booker? This is a dream job. I now have my dream job. He's going to fade from three and knock Oh, it my! If he can make it there, he oh. can make it anywhere! Voice of the Suns, John Bloom, joins Wolf and Luke to talk Phoenix Suns. Now... 
Okay. Love the intro. I think we should just play the intro sometimes, even if we don't have Bloomer on. Right, we, we should. Just play the intro. Be awesome. Well, if I don't even know what your intro is, my intro to the show is Jarek Carlin ripping me. That's my... But Bloom gets this, like, master-level treatment. Just absolutely the walk-up music in Bloom. What Isn't that right? When you're, you're the voice of the Phoenix Suns. John Bloom joining us on the Arizona Sports Line after all that. Bloomer, what's up? I am. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, the new technology of how to get, you know, my car to every time I open the door for that intro to just play. You know, when I every time I hit ignition or if I my my ringtone could be that I could just, you know, if I could just be serenaded with uh, Aaron Maloney's magic there all day long, it would make me feel really good. There's got to be a way, uh, Bloomer. The uh, the I don't know what you want to call this, the stretch run, the second part of the season. I don't know, but it starts tonight, and of course it's starts in Dallas. So before we even jump into that, I just want to get your thoughts on what we've seen basically since they played Dallas on Christmas and they've gone on this, what, 19-7 and run. How much better is this team now than they were when they took the court on Christmas Day? Oh, I think it's been, you know, progressively uh, a proof to us uh, that they've had over these last, you know, few weeks. Now it's so almost two months, as you mentioned, since Christmas. So uh, I think, you know, they have gotten better, incrementally better, and now they have an opportunity to get even better. And I keep thinking about this headline that, that people are, you know, discussing. And the headline might be the wrong word, but, uh, you know, one of the footnotes of this last remaining 27 games on the Phoenix Suns regular season schedule is how hard it is, how difficult that remaining schedule is on paper. And I don't know if I'm on an island on this, and you guys would love to hear your take, both of you, on it, is I feel like this team is built for that. Like, it's almost better that they've got these marquee names ahead of them because I feel like they're ready for it. This is how they want this to be, these last, you know, it's only going to be a couple months and less than that. And the playoffs are here. So like Frank Vogel has said, I believe him. Uh, I think this last 27 is going to be a true sprint and it's going to be over before we know it. And I think that there is true opportunity for this club to continue to get better and continue to prove that they are one of the best teams in basketball. Yeah. For me, Johnny, I, I agree with you, man, right now. I mean, you want to go play these guys. You want to go ahead and test yourself. And that I think is going to, refine this team, this tough schedule, refine it through fire and and make them better. So we'll see how that goes. But tell me about Thaddeus Young. Uh, Burns and Gamble, of course, had a great conversation with him the other day. Thaddeus Young, do you expect him to play tonight? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, you know what? I think there's definitely going to be an opportunity uh, for him to, to play, whether it's tonight, tomorrow in Houston, uh, you know, maybe Sunday in, against the Lakers. I'm not sure how comfortable the coaches are just throwing him out there. I'm sure he's probably ready to go. I mean, this is a guy that's as seasoned as any veteran in, in the league. So I bet he's super comfortable with several of the guys that he knows. I heard his interview yesterday, which was excellent with the guys as you mentioned. Uh, and I think that, you know, beyond what he might do on the court, Wolf, is what I just talked about, that that seasoning that he has can only add to this mix in that room, right? Yes. And not only that, too, though, Johnny, but there's got to be a little toughness with this team. I think the Phoenix Suns' biggest improvement in the second half can be a collective toughness 
that I want to see them form. And in particular, I would say on the defensive end of the floor. And I think he's going to help them get there. Now, again, I'm not talking about him going out there and playing 23, 24 minutes a game. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about he adds to that collective toughness that a Royce O'Neal is actually going to bring, I think, to the Suns. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, those two alone, you know, what they can add to the group. And then it's it's about what, you know, how they affect. But it, you also know this, Wolf. It's going to take the stars showing it. It's oh, going to yeah. take the big three laying it all out there because everybody else is going to follow what they do. And I think they have it in them. And it's also why I am excited about this, you know, star-heavy finish to the schedule because I feel like the big three gets up for that. And it's natural that, that they would be that way when they look across and they see, you know, their peers. or they see guys that they consider, you know, equals or, or on the level with them, uh, then they, they perk up and they will step their game up. And that's just something we've seen in every realm and certainly see it on a basketball court. So I'm excited for this stretch. And I think it starts tonight against a Mavericks team. That's certainly going to be focused uh, there was some shenanigans the last time we were here in Dallas about a month ago, so we'll see what ensues uh, on the playground tonight. Yeah, we're talking to John Bloom. Uh, no more Grant Williams, I guess, at least. But uh, but Bloomer, it is, there's there's always there's always an edge to these games, and uh, you and I have talked about this before. I mean, at least for me, Dallas is the Suns' biggest rival right now. I know it's always the Lakers, but I mean, just this this back and forth between Booker and Luka and, you know, if Kyrie's going to play in KD, I think that's maybe more of a friendly rivalry, but I'm still not over what happened in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Are you? No, and every time we come back to the city, it's just <laughs> right back in our face. We stay at the same hotel. We eat at the same restaurants. It's all the memories of that, you know, that, that come, you know, flowing back and then obviously returning for what ensued in Phoenix to, to finish it out with the game seven. So yeah, that's all back in the melon and you, and you want to get it out. And the way to get it out of there is to go see another Devin Booker masterclass and a Kevin Durant, you know, superior performance and, and get the best out of this group to start this run. Now, is it going to be the sharpest that they'll be tonight? No, I don't think so. They're coming off this break, just like I am. I'm still shaking off the vacation, you know, so it's. I think that there's going to be uh, some of that uh, for, for both, you know, and uh, and so it, it might not be uh, a thing of beauty, or I could be completely wrong, and we could just go see uh, another instant classic tonight <laughs> in Big D. Johnny, let me ask you this: How you doing, man? I mean, your dream job here it is. How's it going for you? Has it been everything that you thought it was going to be, John Bloom? Ah, Wolf, yeah, uh, it, it definitely is great. Uh, it's everything that uh, that I wanted and more, and I am doing well. Thank you for asking. I'm really glad that I got to get a chance to spend some quality time with the family because it does feel like it's more necessary now yes. uh, with this job requiring a little bit more out of me. Uh, but uh, it was a phenomenal week off uh, with, with my wife and my kids, so that was great. And now I'm ready to rock and uh, got a ton of energy. And I know Luke shares this with me. I got my Napoli team in the quarterfinals of uh, the Champions League. So I got some time yesterday to watch some soccer here in Dallas, although they let me down a little bit with a 1-1 draw at home against Barcelona. Uh, but they're on manager three uh, in this year. I think it's Luke's fault. He's new Probably. to the Napoli bandwagon. This, and all of a sudden, we can't keep a coach. Like, it's, it's what's going on? I don't even understand it. You were the one that started this. You pulled me in. I can take a leave of absence <laughs> if they want to stick with the same manager. Bloomer, thank you so much, man. We're looking Thank forward you, to this game tonight and, and the rest Thanks of the Thanks for having me, fellas.
That's uh, John Bloom joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, Tori Lovello has made it pretty clear that Geraldo Perdomo is the D-backs guy now. So what exactly does that mean for Jordan Lawler? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Vince Murata. Join us Friday as we wrap up a busy Newsmakers Week 2024. Lots more guests, including a visit with Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell. Starts at 6 here on Arizona Sports. It's a nice problem to have when you have a prospect like Jordan Lawler and you don't totally know where he fits yet <laughs> because other prospects you've had have played so well that now you can't move them. I mean, Geraldo Perdomo was a guy that two years ago got to play a lot and it looked like, hey, this guy's a really good fielder, but I don't know if he can really necessarily hit. Well, last year he went to the All-Star game and he did that because he was also hitting. And now... <laughs> Now you got to give him at bats. You got to yeah. you got to play him. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You're, you got to go ahead and play him. You got to get at bats. There's no doubt about that. But you know what happened last year, man, with Geraldo Perdomo was one of the most unexpected things. One of the most unexpected events that I think any of us really could have foreseen for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're talking about individual players? I'm talking about individual yeah. players, and Geraldo Perdomo is an all-star. Yeah, uh, it's that. For me, that is one. And two is I'm I'm surprised that Jake McCarthy just kind of fell out of everything right now. He's still around. You know, who, who knows? Maybe he bounces back and he carves yeah. out a role this year. But right. going into last season, I didn't think Perdomo was necessarily going to hit the way he did. And I thought McCarthy was going to be a big part of, of what they did uh, last year, whatever that was. But look, Perdomo, if you just if you just look at the postseason, the only two guys on the team that had a better batting average than Geraldo Perdomo through the whole playoffs were Cattell Marte, who, if you recall, was hitting everything every game. That's right, Cattell. And Tommy Pham. Those are the only two guys that had a higher batting average than than uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Tommy Pham was fighting everybody as well, was he? He, 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 he was ready to. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely ready to at all times, and they needed that last year. Or he just seemed like Tommy Pham was fighting everybody. He was. He was ready to go. Uh, so, look, I mean, this all leads to Tori Lovello being pretty excited about his shortstop. He said this to Bickley and Murata. You know, the beauty of him is he accepts that responsibility and loves it. He's a very confident, comfortable player that wants to win championships. That's all he talks about. And he talks about growing and learning every single day. So he's exactly what we want as an Arizona Diamondback. Um, he's, a, he's a true leader by example. His words and actions match um, what he says he's going to do. So uh, we're really excited about his growth. But there's, he's not going to stop just because I've handed him the opportunity to get those 140 games played this year, which I know that he's excited about. Uh, doesn't mean that he's going to stop growing and learning. He's going to be an exceptional player for us, and I expect really good things from him. What do you make of that? Very interesting. What do you make of that, Luke Lipinski? Well, here, before before we react to that, let me play the original quote from Tori Lovello. This is from Monday out at Salt River Fields, okay? He's done a great job of accepting coaching, improving in the right areas, and, and taking care of his business the right way. You know, we talked about picking the right heart, pick the right challenge for the day, and understand why you got, got to get better in certain areas at certain times. And um, we've addressed the right-hand swing with Jerry before, um, and I told him, and I said it here, first really before I said it to him that because I have not had my one-on-one with him but I I don't really care because I want to say it 
and tell the world that he's going to be our everyday starting shortstop and maybe 135, 140 plus. He knows what that means. And he knows that to get the reps that we want him to and to get to that number, he's got to be a very good right-handed hitter. Um, so for him to, to get a ball like that and hit it off the lane, I know it probably felt good for him, but I know it's a lot of hard work that's going in behind the scenes. So we need him, we need him to continue growing and learning every single day. What do you make of that, Luke Lipinski? <laughs> Well, first of all, how great is that to hear good news from your manager or coach through the media, right? Typically, like if you're going to hear anything, it's going to be like, oh, that's not great. He, Perdomo gets to hear that he's there every day starting shortstop. It's interesting that Tory would be that outspoken about it because they do have Jordan Lawler, who is not... Lawler's not one of those guys where it's like, hey, this is a really highly rated D-backs prospect. No, he's one of the highest rated prospects in all of baseball. And he's got higher upside than Perdomo. But that feels weird to say now because Perdomo just went to the All-Star game and was one of the key pieces of them going to the World Series. So with Lawler, I, I get it to a certain extent. He's got this crazy upside, but he hasn't done it at the major league level yet. Perdomo has. So it's... I'm surprised Tory would say it, but I'm not surprised that that's his decision. But when you say say it, what do what do you mean? You're surprised he would say to just it. flat out say Jerry, as he calls him, yeah, is he's our guy. He's our starting shortstop for what do you say, 135, 140 games, maybe. That doesn't yeah. leave a lot of room for for Jordan Lawler to play. You know what was really interesting though was the fact that he qualified it. He qualified it by saying that he's going to have to hit right handed. He's going to have to hit left-handed pitching, yeah. right? Yeah. From the right side. Isn't that what he be, said? He said he's going to have to be a good right-handed hitter. Yes, yeah. that's that's what he said. He qualified it he right did. there. And I thought that was really, really interesting because if 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 Jerry <laughs> struggled at all, <laughs> I would have to say that it was from the right side. Jerry. Once again, if as you- a right-handed hitter, he's a switch hitter. Now, all of a sudden, you've got Jordan Lawler, who happens to bat right-handed. It it sounds, it doesn't, it sounds weird when you call him Jerry. Maybe yeah, it's because you it said it does sound weird. It's Jerry. Jerry. Or, I think Jerry. We, we need to, it sounds like an episode I, I like of Seinfeld. Haraldo. <laughs> all right. So we need to establish that right now. Haraldo. they call Geraldo Perdomo around that team, they call him Jerry. Jerry, I know. And it sounds like they call you Eugenio Suarez, Gino. Gino. So we got to decide. makes a lot of sense. Are, on the show, are we going to call them Jerry and Gino, or are we going to call them Geraldo and I, Eugenio? I, I want to I call him Eugenio. Okay. Um, and the reason why I want to call him that, based on is because it just makes me feel like I'm bilingual <laughs> or something like that. It does make you but feel I could like actually, you're, I could like actually you're a world do traveler. it. I could, I could, I could travel abroad <laughs> and survive. I'd be walking behind you, calling everybody Gino and, and Jerry with Tori. Uh, I just think it's interesting because of the Jordan Lawler component to this, and you know, Hazen in the past has has implied, you know. Jordan Lawler's got to have a, a clear role on this team where he's playing. Otherwise, he's probably better served down in Reno, which I would agree with. You know, he got an interesting experience in that he was on the team yeah. last year through the postseason. He didn't really play. I think he I think he had one at bat, uh, Jordan Lawler, in the, yeah. in the postseason. But he got to be around that. So he he's already gotten the experience of, like, everyday life in the majors, you know, to the most extreme level because it was during a run to the World Series. He's already gotten that, like, hey, I'm here. I'm a teammate. These guys know me. I'm experiencing all this without actually playing. If there's not a role for him out of spring training, it doesn't really make sense for him to 
experience that again in April and May when he could just be tearing up the the PCL. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, once again, this is the this is the prudent way to approach this, I think, from Tory Lovello and the Arizona Diamondbacks. We were talking about this yesterday, Luke. We were talking about the confidence level and how much confidence you were talking about the organization showed. I forget who we were talking about, but I, I remember the situation. Fott, Brandon Fox. Yeah. How much confidence the organization was showing in him. And I do believe that is important, right? It's great because it lets the player know, hey, we're rooting for you. We believe in you. We're not we just going to bail on we you think if you, you have can a bad actually, day. We think you can actually do this right here. I think it's great, but can I just say, basically, that means absolutely zero to a player while you're actually competing. Zero. You're, you're not, well, they think I can do it, so therefore I'm going to be able to go do it. You can't Jedi mind trick yourself. Either you are confident in your own abilities and nobody has to tell you that or you are not. Never forget that. So, yes, the team can say, we're, we're confident in you. We believe in you. You were going to go out there and do it. But, oh, by the way, if things go sideways, I think we all know we might have to make a move right here. And I, and I thought it was interesting that uh, I think Tory believes he's going to be their everyday starter. And why not? I mean, Jordan Lawler could use another year of seasoning <laughs> right down there in AAA. Of course, he could use that other year. And yet he qualified it by saying, you know, and he's got to hit much better from the right side. Yeah. And if he doesn't, <laughs> what's going to happen? He didn't say anything about that. No, he didn't. And I can't decide if Lawler is like the player I want to watch most closely this spring or if it's like, ah, he's not really going to be playing. I, you know, I mean, I'll be paying attention while we're out there, but it's like. You know what I'll be paying attention to Brandon now? Fott. No, oh. well, of course, Brandon Fott. Geraldo Perdomo? You've got to fight, of course. <laughs> um, but. Jerry, and how is that bats go from the right side in spring training? Jerry. Interesting, right? Jerry's Jerry's right-handed at bats. It just doesn't sound right. Jerry Perdomo. A Ron Wolfley blog. <laughs> you know, Jerry Perdomo. Jerry's right-handed at Geraldo bats. Geraldo Perdomo yeah, sounds I, I, right. I, I know him as Geraldo Perdomo now. You know what I mean? Yes. I know they call him Jerry. Suarez, I could still be talked into calling him Gino because I don't. Uh, no way, yeah, man. No, you're all in. I'm, 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 I'm there. Man. Maybe I'll call him Gino. You, honey. Sounds a little Italian. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.